it's time to expand online. Hi, I'm Jamie Sletsky, and this is the podcast where we break down the tech and strategies that successful hands-on entrepreneurs just like you use to translate their services into online products. There is no fluff. There is no overwhelm. There is no shame. Let's get to it. It's time for you to expand online. Welcome to the Expand Online Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and this is episode 133. Today I have with me Kate. She is a cello teacher based out of Bermuda, and she has done something really phenomenal this summer in the online space that is amazing. She has created a virtual summer festival for cellists who are all over the world and they've been able to come together to learn and to replace the normal summer festivals that so many aspiring and passionate musicians attend in the summer, but obviously with this summer being so unusual, we're not able to go to these festivals. So Kate took it online and it is such a great story. And it's such a way of looking at expanding online and creating new opportunities for yourself. I first heard about Kate's Summer Festival when she was still in the planning stages. And I said to her, when you are most of the way through or all the way through, we have to bring this onto the Expand Online podcast because I know my listeners are going to love it. So take a listen to this conversation that Kate and I had and be sure to join us inside the Expand Online community on Facebook. It's linked up in the show notes because we are going to continue the conversation. Kate's inside there. I'm inside there. And we want the best for you and all of your online endeavors. So enjoy this conversation and I can't wait to continue it with you. Welcome to the Expand Online podcast. I am so excited to speak with you again and this time to be sharing with you, uh, with everybody here, what you have been up to this summer that I, I think is just so profound and such a fantastic way of expanding online. So for those of you who were not listening and part of the Expand Online Summit, Kate was one of the speakers on the summit and I invited her to come here on the podcast to share about what she's been up to this summer. So Kate, go ahead and introduce yourself and share this project that you have been working on. Oh, thanks, Jamie. And it's so fun to be here talking with you again. Um, yeah, a lot has changed since uh, I spoke at your summit. I um, I set up a online cello festival uh, for really talented cello students between the ages of 14 and 25. Um, so anybody who's familiar with the classical music world, usually students in this age group will pack up their things and go off to some six to eight week, sometimes 10 week long intense festival like Meadow Mount or at Aspen and Tanglewood and the Berkshires. Um, and they just work with great cellists and they get to become friends with each other and they practice hours and hours every day. And they're really important to the growth of these cellists. They were all canceled, of course, due to COVID-19. And so I thought, well, here's an opportunity 
to take something like this and put it online. Um, it solved a lot of problems like the expense of flying in very fancy, very famous cellists in from all over the world. Because um, in most festivals, you have to pay their expenses, you have to put them up, et cetera, et cetera. And so this just avoided that. They were free. Their concerts had been canceled. Uh, mm -hmm. And I paid them for the class, but I didn't have to fly anybody anywhere. So it gave the students access to even more cellists. Uh, it was just a phenomenal event. I'm, I'm very proud of it, actually, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, I I love that. I love that you said there is this hole that has been created by the pandemic and I have an idea for how to fill this hole so that these students in such an exciting, you know, have all this time to invest into their playing, have an outlet to do that and have an opportunity to use their online savviness. And I mean, everybody has gotten really good at watching online videos and watching online mm -hmm. interactive sessions. And you kind of took it from, okay, this is not just a one-way communication outbound like a summit often is, but rather into a festival that is akin to what has been done in real life um, before. And you're orchestrating all of this from Bermuda, which is where you live. So you really have made this a global experience. And let's talk a little bit about the logistics of putting sure. on um, – an online festival like, yeah. like this, because I think that a lot of the uh, listeners could see themselves doing something similar once they get a little bit of a better understanding of what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started simply. I mean, I have been teaching cello lessons online for about five years, so I was already comfortable using Zoom, using external microphones, um, setting that stuff up. Um, I knew that I didn't want to have the kids staring at a screen all day long, every day for seven weeks. Um, but that's not really why you do a festival. You do the festival to practice a ton, to have mm -hmm. the motivation to practice and to be exposed to all these great cellists, to have private lessons and to make friends and have a community. Right. So it, the, there were, um, there were two main parts of it, uh, there was the Facebook group that all of the kids were a part of. And so they communicated and sort of, I, that was like our, our bulletin board. Any announcements that I had to make, I made in the Facebook group and they got the notifications. So they knew if there were any changes or could post wins and, and videos and practice logs and stuff like that in the Facebook group. And then we met for a two hour session every afternoon, two to three hour session every afternoon from one until three o'clock Eastern. I just mm -hmm. kept everything sort of at a, a middle ground time. I also did a daily warm up with them at nine o'clock Eastern and the people on the West coast would just watch it, watch the replay of it when they woke up and the people mm -hmm. in Europe would watch it, you know, at the midpoint in their day. Um, but yeah, that middle point of the day, cause you're being online, you're able to work with people in multiple time zones which is a wonderful thing. So I just sort of found the middle ground. Everybody could come together. Um, 
I sent out uh, external microphones, USB microphones, to all of the students. Okay. So that their cello playing sound was much better through Zoom. Um, Mm -hmm. I chose the AKG Lyra. Um, Blue Yetis are also very good for instruments. Um, But, you know, there are a ton of different choices out there. Yeah. yeah, Everybody got... Everybody got a microphone. We had a day where we, you know, tested sound and figured out the best settings for everybody and the best placement for their cameras. And um, some of the teachers asked for them. Some of the teachers already had them, which was great. And some of the teachers were a little bit shy. One of my older faculty members at one point said, you know, I, I think this is a great idea and all, and I'm happy to support you. But the main reason I'm here doing this is because if, I'm afraid that if I don't figure out this technology, I'm going to be a bit of a dinosaur and I'm going to be left behind. And that was so <laughs> great that he he realized that like he doesn't want to do it, but he he's going to have to figure it out, and he was willing to figure it out. And after one day, he was like, "Oh, this isn't hard at all. This is fun." <laughs> yeah, you became a conduit for these other professionals, these other people who were able to then you know, grow their own um, online businesses if that's what they choose to do temporarily or permanently. And I love that. Um, So you sent out microphones to all the students. Can you give us an idea how many students that was? (laughs) Yeah, 18. 18. Okay. 18 in the group. Okay. Well, it, it's relevant to to realize that because I don't want people thinking that you sent microphones to 400 people or oh, 800 no, 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 people no. or anything crazy like no. that. So because that's something that we, you know, me as a non-musician, I've never been to a festival like this, I wouldn't have known. What other nuances are there that um, happen in a, at a real, you know, retreat, you know, a real uh, summer camp type program that you have translated into the online space? Like, so just give us a little bit more about what you were emulating and what you did bring into it. Sure. So, Usually um, in the mornings, there'll be some sort of group session where you're doing technique, um, scales and octaves and arpeggios and just warming the fingers up together in a group. And um, and so we did that in a Facebook group. Sometimes I went, I did a Facebook live. Sometimes we would do a Zoom and people would come into the Zoom session and we'd all do that together. And um Sorry, there's a, a barge parking next to my house in the water. <laughs> you can hear that. Um, and uh, and one fun thing is that you know summer festivals are hugely social. I mean, you make I have some of my closest friends are people that I met when I was in high school at a summer festival. So the social aspect is really important. And you know, of course, we did a lot of icebreakers. The I think it was the second week, the beginning of the second week, I just said to the group, I said, hey, I'm in the mood to bake some cookies. Anybody want to bake cookies with me tonight? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we just set up, you know, Facebook groups have this new messenger room. Right. Right. I don't know how new that is. It was new to me, actually. And uh, so I just hit create a room and we all popped in there in the evening. We all had our ingredients and we all were in our kitchens making cookies and chatting throughout the, you know, um, and then I told the kids, I said, listen, I'm, I'm always happy to hang out with you, but you know, I know I'm the teacher and <laughs> you guys should feel free to hang out as you wish. And they did. They they really took advantage of, of that technology, of the Facebook groups. They would 
um, hop on Slack. They did house party. They did game nights on house party. And it kind of divided themselves into two groups, the college and above crowd mm-hmm. and then the high school groups. And they would just hang out in their little pods. And I think they got together. I know there they were text threads. They were talking and chatting all day, every day. Um, oh, so- my God. It, this warms my heart because yeah. – yeah, they could have been at a, you know, a summer festival together and this would have all happened. And mm-hmm. by being open to saying, okay, I'm going to go live on Facebook. Oh, what about this Facebook room? You know, you, you opened up the ability for these conversations to take hold and for them to have this experience. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. Let's talk a little bit about the logistics of playing an instrument through zoom because you and I talked about this uh Mm -hmm. back in the summit about the fact that you can't teach and talk and play at the same time like you can when you're in a classroom so let's talk a little bit about what the actual playing looked like um and the learning side of things yeah it looks incredibly similar to an in-person lesson. Uh, You're right. There are a couple of things. We can't both play together unless, Mm -hmm. well, what you can do is the student can mute themselves on Zoom. Right. And then you play and they play along with what what they see and hear. So it looks out of sync to me. Right. They're playing in sync with me because they can hear me and they're playing along with what they hear. So they right. can play with me. So it doesn't work if you're like trying to play a duet and we both need to hear each other. But in terms of like I can demonstrate and they can play along with me or if I know that they know their part really well, they can play along and they can hear the duet themselves, which is really what matters. Um, mm-hmm. And other than that, yeah, you just get used to it really quickly. I don't think I ever needed to say to the group, okay, only one person can talk at a time or you can't talk and play like it can't pick up both sounds. Like it's just, it it just gets sorted out naturally. So there were never any issues. It was great. That's, that's awesome. So do the, the students play for the rest of the group or is it only that they're playing for themselves in this environment? No, they play for each other. So they would take turns. Monday, we always had uh, a guest speaker come in. They talked about some cello geeky things like, you know, the bow hair and the strings and rosin and, you know, that type of thing. And then um, uh, somebody came in to talk about performance anxiety. So those were just listening, just like a, a regular workshop speaker. And uh-huh. then on, on Tuesdays, we did what's called a studio class, which is informal. And the kids would take turns. Usually we had room for about seven or eight at a time to play a little bit of what they're working on. So they would just take turns and they would, everybody else would mute themselves and the student playing would unmute and they would just sit down and play. And then the rest of the kids would give comments and I would give some comments. And then on um, one day a week, we had a, a guest come in to do a master class, which is a little bit more formal and the kids would, you know, sort of give a performance and that, that guest artist would, would give feedback. Usually somebody super famous or <laughs> cellists from the top music conservatories around the world. And it was an amazing experience for them. I one love the, that. Yeah. One thing I'll say is that a, a, another aspect of these summer festivals is that 
the whole process of applying to music school is a little bit different for musicians than it is for most students. And it's the biggest factor is who you're going to study with, who your private teacher is going to be with in college. Okay. And you can't wait until you get accepted to the school to find that out. You're, you're going to be working on that for about a year ahead of time. And that means you go to summer festivals and you meet teachers and you figure out who whose teaching style you like and who you get along with. And so the fact that summer festivals were going to be canceled this year meant that this whole class of students was going to be denied that chance to meet future teachers. Right. And that with the travel restrictions, you couldn't just get on a plane and go to them and have a lesson. True. And so I specifically hired people who were teaching at the music schools that the students were going to be applying to. And so um, a lot of a lot of great things came from that. I'll just put it that way. It was oh, really I love great that. to see. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think that because obviously you've put your entire summer into this project, obviously that means that there is a financial reason why <laughs> you do this. I mean, it is still part of your business. Um as a student going to a summer festival, I'm sure that the the fee, again, you were talking about, you know, the airfare and, you know, and mm-hmm. being there for as long as it is and the boarding, your room and board and all of those other things, those are all expenses that the family has been planning on paying for, for their mm-hmm. child to be able to go to one of these festivals. And then when that's canceled, yes, that's that means that there's money there um, and you're not obviously going to be equivalent to that whole seven week thing. But let's talk a little bit about what it looks like from the financial side of things. Like, is this something that is a break even? Is this a loss leader? Is this a primary income source? What does it look like? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you're right. I mean, a a traditional in-person festival costs anywhere between six and $9,000 for the summer. It's a significant investment. Um, and my festival cost $3,500 for the seven weeks because mm-hmm. a lot of the expenses were taken off the table, of course. Um, and I was able to give out a lot of financial aid. So there were a lot of students who never would have been able to go to a summer festival ever. Uh, their families just couldn't afford it. They were able to do this. They didn't have to pay for a plane ticket. They could. Some of them had to hold down jobs throughout the summer, so they were able to create a schedule so that they could work. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, I, I made about $40,000 from the festival. So wonderful. That's, that's yeah, wonderful. I mean, it, it's, it's significantly more than the amount of money that I lost from canceled concerts and festivals myself. Right. And so. by, by doing something of this caliber, you were able to get those top cellists from around the world to Mm -hmm. come and to present and to be able to pay them. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that a lot of people forget about being online is that it's part of the online economy is like free, 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 but it doesn't have to be. And I know that's something that I battle with, with my clients. I'm like, you can charge more for this. Mm -hmm. Kate, I am so glad that you didn't undercharge for what you did. I just want to put that out there, put that on the podcast. You have put something phenomenal together and it feels so good to know that these students, yeah, they lost their summer away, 
but they didn't lose their summer experience. And it costs money to do that. And, you know, you were able to send out those microphones because mm -hmm. they paid for the microphones as part of their, their entrance, you know, as part of, uh, you know, doing this. They, you've created something far bigger than the dollar amount. The dollar amount is icing on the cake because you weren't traveling and everything else. Exactly. But you, it's the experience for these students. Mm -hmm. They are now connected with one another. They are now connected to these potential mentors and, you know, they have a better idea how they're going to shape their futures because they didn't sit at home saying, I didn't get to go to my festival. Absolutely. And just seeing, you know, I was a high school, college cellist. There was a summer that I couldn't afford to go to a festival. And I was like, I have the whole summer. I'm going to practice a ton. I'm going to learn all this music. Yeah, that doesn't happen. It never happens. You you never do it on your own. So um, just the seeing the transformation in the relationships amongst the kids, of course, but also just in their cello playing, like seven mm -hmm. weeks to see the difference in their level of playing is just amazing. All of the hours that they spend practicing, being accountable to one another. Um, yeah, it's just been an incredible experience. It was yeah. a lot of work. I won't <laughs> lie. It was a lot of work. But it also gave me a sense of purpose through all this, right? Like every, a lot of my colleagues were kind of floundering and, and wondering what they were going to do because all their work had been canceled. And through it all, I kind of had a, a, a true sense of purpose of, well, this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm working on and it's important and mm -hmm. I have to see it through because it's important. Absolutely. And it's also, it's made a name for you within the industry that you know, that you've offered this and that this is something that become, you know, you may end up next year not doing this again. You may end up doing this again. It, uh, it all depends. But you also may mentor someone who wants to do something similar with a different instrument Absolutely. or mentor somebody, you know, mentor other uh, professionals like you in doing these online um, events. And so this is opening doors, not just for your students, but for you as well. Absolutely. I already have a couple of projects in the works. So, <laughs> the, so some of the students this summer at the festival said, oh, we wish you could do this all year. And I'm like, hmm, well, <laughs> maybe we could. So I'm going to be doing a hybrid, um, expanding my private lesson studio to include some of these group sessions and the guest master classes. And, and it's, um, it's a really great way to turn a traditional form of in-person teaching on its head and yes. work with students all over the world, give them yes. a really great experience. So yeah, a lot of opportunities uh, are coming from this, um, some expected, some unexpected, um, but it's just, it's been a lot of fun. I would encourage anybody to, if you have an idea, to run with it. I love that. And you know, that was really funny because you were leading right into the question that I was going to ask <laughs> next is if someone's listening and they want to do something similar, whether it's a seven week or a full on thing, or if it's, you know, weekends or whatever it might be, what would you say the first thing that you solidified was when you decided you were going to do this? What is the first thing that you're like, okay, this is it. This is the thing that's kickstarting this whole project. Mm. To be perfectly honest with you, I made sure I was surrounded by a group of people and a coach that could help me do it. I mean, I was already yes. in a group coaching program and I told them about the idea 
and they thought it was great and they were very supportive because you're always going to find people around you who are like, "Eh, I don't know if that would work. Eh," You know, that always a hundred reasons not to do something and a thousand reasons to do it. And I think my coach at, at a few points when I was starting to chicken out saying, oh, I can't do it. It's too much. I don't know what to do basically Mm -hmm. just took me by the shoulders and marched me back up to the high dive platform and said, you know, dive or I'm shoving you in. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, to to set yourself up with somebody who can keep you accountable and to just be supportive of you is, is step number one, or maybe that's a pre-step. I don't know. Then the next thing I did was I, um, I set up a website Mm -hmm. I knew that I I needed a place to store the information and uh, present it to people and say, this is what it is. So setting up the website. And then when I, when I hired the first faculty member to do a masterclass, that was when it became real Mm -hmm. because I had just promised this significant cellist of the world, a certain amount of money to do a specific thing on a specific date. And I had too much pride to back out of that. So, pride is a good thing sometimes. I think absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes. No, I love it. I love how this came together for you, and this is one of the reasons why I love what I do working with artists and musicians is because that support, that peer group, and mentors. That is what gets us to create amazing things. And I think every person who's listening right now, you have it in you to follow your dreams and to do whatever it is that you want to do online. Kate took something that two years ago, someone would have been, would laugh in her face and now has created something that's so successful that she's going to get to help others emulate this and do this, you know, in their own spaces and in their own industries. And I say two years ago, because it's true how quickly things change in the online space. And I'm sure that you feel the same way, Kate, that as we continue to embrace putting things online, stretching our limits, trying new things, we're all better for it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would argue that a year ago, people would have thought it was crazy. And already people are asking me about next year's virtual festival. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited. Next year, so. <laughs> I'm I like, think that's great. I, I absolutely do. I think that that's, that's phenomenal. And you've now got proof that this model works. And your students are students for life. They are going to refer people to your program People may choose to do your program so that they can work. Like you were saying, some of your students had jobs that they structured around the work, you know, the class time or the workshop times um, that they wouldn't be able to go or to afford to go to a a live in-person festival. So you're just expanding the landscape. And and, and recreating it too. You know, there's, there's always, there are always things that you can do on an online platform that you couldn't really do in person. And those are the little gems and and surprises where you're like, oh, because I'm doing this online, I can do this. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yes. That's really fun. 
Oh, I love it. I, I am so, so happy to have been able to watch this from the sidelines and to just be one of the people who is here congratulating you on your success with this, Kate. And I would love for people to know how to reach out to you if they are interested in learning the cello or understanding what you're doing, all those kinds of things. Where are you hanging out on social media? Well, you can always go to my website, which is katekin.com. And otherwise, I'm on Facebook and Instagram under the same names. And uh, I have a blog called Tales from the Lane, but you can also find that through the website. So I'm everywhere that you would expect me to be. Um, my last name is unique, so <laughs> it's I'm that one. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd love to meet all of you and feel free to send me a message anytime about cello or about setting up online music festivals or anything. I love it. I love it. And if you are not in the Expand Online community on Facebook, be sure to pop in there. Uh, Kate's links and, of course, the link to the to the community are in the show notes here. And we will be talking about this uh, episode when it comes out inside there. So, again, thank you so much for hanging out with me on the podcast today. And, Kate, thank you so much for sharing all of this insight with us. My pleasure, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me.